0: Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, everyone, wherever you're joining us today, virtually for our full year 2022 results conference call. Our presenters today are our CEO, Bjorn Golden, and our CFO, Harm Allmayer. You can see the agenda here. Bjorn will kick it off in a second with his opening, followed by Harm, who will recap our financial year 2022, then Bjorn will be back to take stock and ultimately share our outlook with you. Last but not least, we will have enough time for your questions during our Q&A session. Talking about the Q&A session, I would like to ask you as always to limit your initial questions to two in order to allow as many people as possible to ask their questions. Having said that, we're obviously looking forward to your creativity, how to extend that limit, <laughs> and interpret the number two in your very own way. <laughs> but uh, that's for later, there's lots to discuss today, so without any further ado,
1: over to you, Björn. Yeah, thanks Sebastian, um, and um, hello everybody. Um, I guess this is strange uh, listening to me on an Adidas call, but that's how the world is. Um, And I have to tell you that this has been seven or eight very busy weeks, um, you know, to understand where the business is and and look upon what resources and possibilities we have. Uh, And I would like to say that, you know, I'm actually proud to be here. That might maybe sound strange after what I have told you when I was at Puma. Uh, But I just quickly want to repeat to you that I was nine years there. Uh, I think I had a very good time. Uh, I have, uh, I would say, very close friends. I uh, left there um and I think it's fair to say after 9 years uh, fulfilling my contract it was time to do something different uh the plan was definitely not um to do it uh, with Adi uh but the way things developed uh, and very quickly developed that was then an options that I then had to say yes to uh and having been there for 8 weeks I'm extremely uh what should I say happy that I did it uh, and as I said very very uh, proud um, I will tell you uh, in 20 minutes or so uh, what I see um, and tell you a little bit uh, about the outlook. Uh, but I think before that, uh, I'll give it over to the, uh, the expert Harm, so you can tell us um, what happened in 22.
2: Thank you, Bjorn, and thank you, Sebastian, and a warm welcome from my side as well. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you're dialing in from. And of course, it's a pleasure for me to talk about uh, you know 22. And of course, it was uh, not just a disappointing year for, for me as a person, uh, but definitely more importantly for Adidas as well. And uh, we clearly did not perform as we should have performed, and I will get you through some of the details. But of course, there have been a lot of bright spots as well. And um, after several years, sport took center stage again in 22, Real Madrid winning the Champions League, uh, Benzema winning the Ballon d'Or. Three stripes at the heart of the UEFA Women's Euro. Germany, unfortunately, only coming in second, but played very well. Brought the you know female soccer to a different level. Um, and ultimately, the FIFA World Cup with Argentina winning. And also that a privilege, you know, being part of it. Uh, Life in the stadium it was a fantastic final. We also dominated running with Adi Zero. We won you know more uh, marathons or major marathons and combined all other brands together. And we brought these athletes to our home turf here in Herzog as well to the Road to Records where we again had a lot of European and national records. And of course the Winter Olympics, just one example, Denise Hermann, Vic, you know, bringing home gold. But also product highlights, um, whether it's the Y3 kit with Real Madrid or the X-Speed Portal, you know, combined uh, with Rick and Morty. Uh, Also the ball with the World Cup, Al-Rila or Al-Hilm for the um, final. Uh, again, RD0, RDOS Pro 3 delivered what really matters most in running, one win after the other. Outdoor extended the sustainability offer with Spinova um, hoodie, a Gravix Flow 2 for the trails, and we launched sportswear as well uh, with a capsule collection focused on the Gen Z. And a lot of collaborations with great you know, creators out there, whether it's with Pharrell or the collaboration with Gucci, just to name some, and basketball was growing nicely um, also driven by the forum that we brought back to the market. All of this is happening with uh, great campaigns. Storytelling is what we need to work on and what we will continue going forward. We talked about it many, many times, but also our attitude impossible is nothing was visible. And also the commitment to gender equality with I impossible campaign definitely, you know, took a lot of hearts out there. We shook up the marketplace with the bra revolution Um, And there's more to come, but clearly focusing on uh, better offering around brass and tides to win the minds of the female athletes as well. And we continue to run for the oceans with almost 7 million people joining around the headline of end plastic waste and saving all of our oceans. And the world's biggest football family reunion. Dedicated campaigns spotlighting the fun of the game around the FIFA World Cup, and again, Rick and Morty X Speed Portal excited the younger football enthusiasts out there. So you can see a lot of things that have excited the consumer with, but of course, um, we had a lot of, you know, company and market-specific challenges as well. Of course, the Ukraine uh, tragedy still, and uh, uh, more than a year ongoing, the wind down of the Russian business. COVID-19 restrictions were still felt in many countries, specifically in China, but also greater China was just not a market topic, but also company-specific challenges that we talked about in the past, and of course, unfortunately, the termination of the Yeezy partnership, which definitely weighed on our top line, our bottom line. And again, you heard me saying that many times, if you lose three profit pools in one year, it has uh, at least its marks on the P&L, where we see it here. Um, net sales, currency neutral, growing 1%, the gross margin down by 3.4 percentage points to 47.3%, the operating margin down to 3%, and net income from continuing operations around $254 million, according to the guidance that we set as well. So uh, clearly, we had planned for a different year. We originally had planned you know, double-digit growth. We originally had planned a double-digit margin, and very clearly um, – after several you know, profit warnings, this was not the year that we wanted to talk about, but very quickly we come back um, how we want to talk about 23 as well. When we talk about the markets, um, clearly still some, some stars on the map, we are growing 9% in Europe, it would have been 14% without Russia, uh, double digit increases on the performance side while lifestyle uh, was up single digits. And we look at North America up you know, 12%, a strong sales for our product launches in football, running, and outdoor. Latin America also double-digit growth. Strong growth in both performance and lifestyle. And then APEC, strong growth again in outdoor, football, and running. And lifestyle was down, low single digits. Overall, the profitability still very good in EMEA, in Asia Pacific, and in Latin America around or above your know, 20%. But of course, you know Greater China declining 36% was not uh, what we were planning for, especially the profitability with only 10% as far away from what we used to see from greater China. It What's it's also important that we are growing nicely in the performance categories, overall plus 19%. Uh, and again, football is growing significantly based on the products that we launched, whether it was the Predator or the Federation kits, um, we also, of course, utilized the FIFA World Cup with more than 50% growth in the fourth quarter and achieving also our guidance that we gave around the football, you know, net sales or the World Cup uh, net sales, running, growing double digit. Uh, and of course, that's where we start utilizing and commercializing the wins that we uh, generated with the Adi Zero Pro. And building credibility and advocacy to commercialize the running category even further in 23 and 24. And outdoor was a very balanced growth of footwear and apparel. And US sports, definitely the highlight, with Patrick Mahomes being the MVP and bringing the Super Bowl home, you know, for the brand. He's uh, probably the athlete in the US right now. Um, uh, Very glad to have him, you know, with us. And there's more to come from him. And we shouldn't forget golf. uh, You know, after the you know, Covid restrictions, definitely a category that was growing nicely also for us. Uh, all of these categories are growing double-digit, so a good foundation for what we need to do in the future. When it comes to lifestyle, and Bjorn will come back to this in more detail, but uh, you know, clearly disappointing, what we um, saw from a commercial offer in, in sportswear, and uh, there's definitely an opportunity for the future. We launched the capture collection but uh, some of the offers could have been, you know, better there and originals. Great collaborations with Gucci, Bad Bunny, Farrell Williams, driving hype. But again, commercially, uh, we should have and we will do better in the future. That is something that Bjorn is going to talk about. When it comes to the channels, uh, wholesale growing 1%, uh, double-digit increases in EMEA and in North America and Latin America. D2C grew 2%. Own retail was largely flat. Um, also impacted by the closure of the Russian business, which almost entirely was own retail, ecom grew 4%, still reflecting some higher comps from early last year, as well as some you know, online fatigue after markets. You know we opening up again, and uh, consumers moved more to the physical space. Nevertheless, North America and LAM D2C as a whole, um, and ecom both uh, were up double digit. But again, we shouldn't forget, wholesale is still 61% of the overall business played a significant role, um, not just in 22 but also going forward. What's important to note is when you look at the quarterly split, uh, as you can expect from me, a lot of numbers, but I would focus here on the fourth quarter, where, we only, where, where the net sales were down 1%. What has really happened there? Because originally, we wanted to grow around 20% in the fourth quarter. Of course, there was around uh, 600 million of Yeezy business that did not happen. Originally we said 500 million, but we also took some returns from our wholesale accounts, so it actually rounded up to 600 million. And, of course, there was something we decided, significant inventory takebacks in China, given the inventory situation that we have and some of the close downs, and then the opening up of the zero COVID uh, policy where actually consumers did not go out. So that's where you see the minus 50%, which again was not the original plan. But, of course, these two effects, you know, weigh on our you know, quarterly results. When we look at the P&L in more detail, again, no surprises here. You have seen it already twice uh, on the 9th of February and uh, this morning. Again, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Uh, Gross margin down. I give you some more details on the next chart. The operating margin down by 6.4 percentage points to 3% based on the gross margin decline, based on higher operating expenses, uh, reflecting additional investment into new campaigns, products and consumer experiences. And of course, one-offs that I go into more details of around 300 million. The tax rate was up as well because uh, some of the expenses were not tax deductible. Uh, that is something that you should read into the tax rate. But more importantly, the net income uh, around the level where we guided was 254 million. And also there, there were one-off cost of 350 million in there. When I go to the one-off cost, uh, something in more detail, 59 million on the gross profit. That was a decision to wind down the business in Russia, and uh, also higher provisions for customs-related risk. Um, there were operating expenses around 253 million. Again, most of it were linked to the Russian wind down, the settlement of the legal dispute, and some restructuring costs as part of our business improvement program that we um, you know, booked in the fourth quarter. Uh, so overall, operating profit impact of 312 million, and then with some puts and takes. Uh, in between operating profit and net income, um, there was overall a 350 million uh, impact of one times in 22. When we come to the gross margin, the biggest factor here uh, was 400 basis points of supply chain cost, where it was higher FOBs, higher freight cost. Uh, they were definitely peaking in the third quarter. We're coming down then slightly. And we definitely talk about that as we move into 23 as well, what's happening on FOBs and also freight costs. But that was the most meaningful factor. Then when it comes to the category channel and market mix, uh, most pronounced is China there, as it has been a significant profit pool in the past. Slightly, you know, downward trend on the FX that was originally planned to be positive as well. Uh, inventory route during the situation that we have. And then you should look at pricing and discounts as a combination. Of course, we priced up, but then as a consumer... Uh, wasn't as uh, you know, sound anymore. There was some discount um, you know, required in promotional environments in the fourth quarter as well, leading to a gross margin of 47.3%. Of course, all of it is linked to inventory, um, where you see that the inventory peaked in the third quarter. It was then down to a level of around 6 billion at the end of 22. And this already includes an inventory of YEEZY of around 400 million. This is an overall increase of 49%. Again, that is the value. In volume, it will be less, and you should see that in relation to the Vietnam closures last um, uh, in 21. That impacted the year in inventory in 21. Um, some FX as well, but also the cost per piece increase and the lead times were longer. So it's not uh, one-to-one comparable. Still too high, very clearly. And that's what we're working on. We are focused on first and foremost North America and to some degree Greater China, but we made good progress in Greater China in 22 already and also in the first couple of months. Clearing access inventory, uh, where it's needed, we are focusing on apparel first and foremost, uh, because uh, footwear is easier to, um, you know, carry forward into other quarters. Uh, we significantly decreased our buying volume going into not just spring summer 23, but also more importantly fall winter 23. And we are technically repurposing some existing inventory, again, primarily on, on footwear, but also where it makes sense moving it um, to markets where the demand is higher. So we believe overall, depending on the market, we will be in a much better situation um, in summertime, but we still need to work through this one over the next you know, couple of months. Uh, when you look at the working capital, I don't want to go through the details of receivables and payables, but again, it's a story of inventories again. And you remember uh, that we probably were best in class in uh, the fourth quarter 2019. We dealt with that during COVID in 2020. We know how to do that. It always takes some months and quarters, but we are very confident that we will do it again. And uh, I mentioned what we are doing already, you know, buying less, clearing the inventory where it makes sense. And this will definitely normalize again, um, you know, through the course of the year. Given the inventory is also linked to the adjusted net borrowings and, and what happened to our rating. Um, before I go to the uh, rating notch down on S&P and Moody's, I want to explain real quick in more detail the adjusted net borrowings because uh, it was our plan to reduce the the cash position that we had at the end of 21. That's why we accelerated the share buyback in the first quarter 22. We also, you know, uh, returned the proceeds of Reebok uh, back to shareholders of 1.5 billion, so over 2.5 billion. You know, share buyback, 600 million dividends. Um, but quite honestly, that was not the plan to build up that inventory that significantly and reduce it to that level. So uh, clearly, we overshot a little bit, but it was the plan to reduce um, the cash uh, position on the balance sheet because back then we had negative interest as well. Also, that has changed very quickly. But it gives you an idea how we get from the 2 billion adjusted net borrowings the end of 21 to the around 6 billion at the end of 22. Again. Uh, when you look at the rating, KPI is the most important one for us as the leverage ratio. Uh, and we clearly have the goal again, uh, probably not in 23 uh, with some ups and downs, but clearly in 24 again uh, to get back to our financial policy to get uh, the uh, leverage ratio below two. Uh, we are going in a good direction already in 23, but I can't promise you right now that we get below two, you know, two but clearly in 24, uh, that is the goal to get there. All of this was discussed with Moody's and with S&P. Um, Moody's uh, gave us two notches down, now on A-, and Moody's is on A3. As you all know, this is still a strong investment grade uh, with a negative outlook, uh, unfortunately, but this is that we are committed to, and also me personally as the CFO, to get that in the right direction again. But again, still a strong investment grade, uh, but not really what I had planned for again in 22. We have a look at the dividend proposal. Uh, We are proposing 70 cents um, on the shares outstanding of 179 million. That would be a total payout of 125 million uh, on the net income reported of 254 million. This would be at the higher end of the payout ratio that we always gave a range of 30 to 50 percent. We moved to the higher end uh, of this with 49.2 percent, but believe that is also the right measurement given where we are as a company and where our situation is. So that is really where we are for financials. No surprises in this. Happy to take some questions later on. Um, but I also want to close before I over to Bjorn. Um The World Cup has not been the turning point for the company yet, but uh, believe me, being there personally, being you know more than 100 accounts and customers that we had there, with a lot of people, you know, of our company as well. Uh, there were a lot of uh, tears in their eyes, a lot of happiness uh, bringing the trophy home. Uh, it was definitely a pleasure and a turning point for me personally. And uh, back then I was looking forward to January to hand over the baton to Björn. And this is what I do now again. I okay. uh, hand over to Björn to talk more about the future. Thanks, Carl.
1: <clears throat> let's hope uh, for us that Messi doesn't have his best day today. You know he's playing for Paris against Bayern in Munich. Um, so uh, let's hope he has a bad day. It's more important for us that, um, that Bayern gets through. Um, so I've been here for almost uh, two months um, and I thought it would be worthwhile giving you um, a short look back what I've seen uh, and talk a little bit about what I think that means um, and you know me as always um, to get you in the right mood um, here is Adidas we are Adidas
3: we our sport.
4: Right the
5: wall,
4: right the wall,
3: this is who we are. We knew then, we know now. Shaping a better future. The
4: opportunity in this game, you make a play. Yeah.
3: For sport.
6: For all people,
3: for the planet, today, tomorrow, always,
4: we are sports.
1: Yeah, I think there's no doubt that this company is rooted in sports history. Um, I've said it many times. I mean, this small town created the sports industry. And, and of course, Audi uh, with its scale. Um, and when I look at the archive and I go through the museum, uh, it is actually very emotional because um, it's very, very, what should I say, touchy to work for a company with that kind of history. Um, Then when you look at the marks of the brands, um, I think there are a few companies in the world, regardless of what industry, that has these kind of brand marks. Uh, I would also like to say that Terex on the outdoor side has been a very, very good move, and you will see that later from a development. Um, And I think the awareness uh, and the consideration of actually buying product with these logos is very, very high all over the world. And of course, that is the best uh, starting point um, that you can have. If you then look at the different businesses, there is no doubt that we have a huge credibility in sports. Um, it's also, and especially over the last 20 years, clear that we have a credibility in fashion. Uh, and then when it gets to connecting to the street culture, which we all try to do, uh, I wouldn't see many companies that has the opportunity that, uh, that we have, and we'll get back to that in a second. Um, What is very unique um, to Adi is, of course, the connection to, what I said, the organizers of sports. Um, That has been the DNA of the company uh, always. Um, I think Adi has been part of shaping uh, professional sports. Uh, We can discuss if all of that has been good. Uh, But my um, feeling and opinion is that this has been very important because I think it has accelerated the way professional sports have developed um, and I think it's much easier to complain about sports than it actually be being part of it. And when you see these kind of relationships, um, that tells you how rooted we are and how sports are organized. When you then look at the teams, um, again, uh, the portfolio is very, very special. Um, I think we all have to agree that they have signed very good teams. For me, it's a little bit special to get Italy and Arsenal back again. You know, I was part of um, divesting from them at uh, At Puma, now I have them back again. Uh, Arsenal actually performing well, and let's hope that Italy will perform better than they did last time, Um, although uh, we also had a very good relationship with them um, in my previous company. But no doubt, um, if you look at it, uh, we have all the teams that we need to do uh, to have a very, very good uh, image and a very good business in both, I would say, professional sports, in college sports, uh, and, of course, also in the license uh, market. The same thing goes for the athletes. Um, I mean, we have a roster of athletes in all sports. uh, That is uh, incredible. Um, In America, in team sport, in individual sport, even in winter sport uh, with Michaela. Uh, And I think I also would like to say that you will see us invest more again also in smaller sports and widen our portfolio. I think the DNA of Audi has always been to develop product for all kinds of sports. I think there was even an Olympics where we had choose for all sports that you could participate in I'm not sure we go that wide but I do think from a creativity point of view and from a development point of view uh, we cannot only do the big sports but have to go wider again and we have the resources here I mean we both have our own factories and our own sample shops uh, and you will see us uh, be more visible again like Adi used to be um, in the smaller sports and then, <clears throat> Adi has been criticized for not creating brand heat enough um, and, you know, not doing enough. Uh, I think if you look at that slide, that's the collab partners that Adi had over the last, I would say, 18 to 24 months, Montclair, Prada, Gucci, and Balenciaga. Um, it's impossible uh, to have higher partners than this. I think what we can discuss, um, maybe it's been too many uh, for a short period of time, um, and I think that, again, is caused by the fact that many of these things were delayed um, and that uh, then happened to go to market almost at the same time. I don't think that had the impact that it might have had. But the fact that all these four brands came to Hertz so to go through our archive to work with us um, on different franchises um, has been you know, a fantastic recognition of who Adi is. Um, And when I see the list of brands who wants to work with us, I feel we're here in great, great shape. If you then look at the famous word of street culture, um, I think Pharrell, Beyonce, Bad Bunny, now also Jenny Ortega. Again, the lineup to connect um, to that culture is unique. Um, And again, um, I think we have the resources and the scalability to really create brand heater again. And and that is, of course, uh, what we will do. Pharrell, now also being the lead designer for LVHM, on the men's side is, of course, probably the hottest designer out there or creative at all, Uh, and him moving to Paris and being closer to us will, of course, also be very, very important uh, for us. And I think Jenna um, is probably the hottest, I would say, female connector that you can actually sign, and her impact after two weeks um, has been very, very, very strong. I also have to say that uh, the state-of-the-art resources that you here find, meaning the infrastructure, is unbelievable. When I see the campus we're now sitting at, but also our offices around the world, uh, Portland, Shanghai, and since a couple of weeks in LA, I mean, it's unbelievable what we have. Uh, here in Herzl, we have a science center for sports, which i never seen anything like it. We have a mino factory, we have stitching lines, we have 3D printing machines. Uh, We have all the resources that you need to do to do innovations, um, and the working environment that our uh, people have around the world is, in my opinion, the best that you can have, um, and the groundwork (coughs) for having talent working in a creative environment is great. Same thing on the tech side. Uh, Adi has spoken a lot about tech, um, and when you see they have six hubs, where people are sitting programming for us, different applications, working on our tech side. Um, Again, something that I'm not used to see, um, but it's obvious that we have invested a lot on this side and also, of course, uh, for future growth, uh, because it's obvious that the payback on this investment has not been there yet because the growth is not there. But the pipeline we have when it gets to applications and when it gets to our analytics in our digital business is unique. Uh, And again, a pipeline that has been laid uh, that will help us tremendously uh, going forward. Same thing with the stores. We can discuss a lot about D2C and wholesale, but the high-low stores that we have around the world, um, and on the left side is the new one we did in Seoul just a couple of weeks ago. Again, very, very good locations, great stores. um, That represents the brand in a great way. Uh, and, of course, as traffic continues to increase, uh, we will also see that profitability in these stores um, will start to, to increase. What is very unique um, is that we have a shoe factory uh, in Europe, in Germany, 40 minutes away from here, Scheinfeld, where we have the capability to make very many different shoes. Here you see, for example, Copa Mundial um and i think um, that we will start to exploit this even more than we have done before um, european production european development especially where you have collabs with artists uh, and also where maybe made in germany and made in europe will make sense i think is a jewel that we haven't utilized uh, and uh, me being a product freak uh, i think you will see us using this more than we've ever done and don't forget that shoe competence in Europe is not that easy to find and create, and we can use this, uh, you know, as an education center and make sure that we never lose the focus um, on product, especially footwear. We talked a lot about distribution centers. Um, yeah, I think it's a challenge for many companies. Um, the fact that the multi-channel distribution uh, creates um, a lot of, um, what should I say, new um, tasks for our DCs uh it looks to me what i've seen that um ardi has invested a lot um that of course now we have an overcapacity because we have built you know distribution centers for future growth but again uh, i think having them and be ready for the future is better than not having them and to me it looks also here that we are in a very uh, good uh, what should i say state uh we talk a lot about talent and diversity uh, again we have People from more than 100 nationalities, and as you see, we currently have more female uh, people than a male. Uh, should of course be uh, 50-50. Uh, we have more than 90% of our employees being non-German. So the time when we were a German company exporting is over. This is a true global company, and of course, having 39% um, women in leadership is not good enough because you know down the road it should be 50. Uh, But I think the the development is definitely in the right direction, and I already seen a lot of female talent uh, that is very visible in this organization. Um, There has been a lot of negativity around Adi, at least from the outside, um, you know, about negative culture and and people not liking to work here. I think if you look at the different research that has been done, um, here two examples. Uh, then Audi scores very, very high um, in, uh, what should I say, in, in many research. Here just two examples out of many, many, many hundred companies uh, in all the industries, 16 in the Forbes and number five in Stern. And as far as I could see, um, actually way ahead of also our competitors. So I, I think there is a perception that uh, this is not a great place to work, which is very, very wrong. Um, and as I said, all the ingredients uh, to be a great place to work is there. And maybe we need to market it more down the road. Uh for all of us in the industry, sustainability and ESG is not um a question about if, it's only about how. Um what I've seen so far, the investment here and that is immense. Um I think not only at Adi but also at the other brands. I think we all want to be good citizens. Um and when you look at the ratings and the targets, um I would say that uh, we are actually way ahead of the curve when it gets to actually doing what we're saying, and then we all know that this will never stop and we will have to continue to develop, but also here I would say um, it's a big um, check. So if you put that all together, um, I think it's obvious, as I said already when I started, it looks like Audi has all the ingredients for success, but as you saw from uh, Harm's presentation, um, we are currently not performing the way we should. If we then go back to what we are or where we are performing, uh, it's kind of ironic um, that um, I think he showed 19% growth in performance. Um, and um, you know, and all of you have discussed this with me many times, performance is more difficult to create than fashion. And, and there has always been criticism on this brand and also my previous brand, that it's only fashion or non-performance. Here, you have strong growth in running uh, in football in golf and U.S. sports, and lately also in outdoor. Um, and I would say that the criticism on that we don't have innovation and performance product is not true. Um, there is quite some um, innovation that has gone into the market. Uh, there is more innovation on the road. And I can tell you from the inside that both the running and the football line going into 24 is excellent, um, and I'm not worried about this at all um, on <clears throat> the performance side, as I said, you know, we added Italy uh, again, uh, a little bit strange, uh, but I have to say that the Italian teams always look good. They did that with Puma, and now they look great also with us, um, and of course, uh, happy that they are with us. Uh, I think it was a fun thing that Audi did and has nothing to do with me, but you know I'm a Jamaica fan. Uh, and signing the soccer team uh, creates a lot of lifestyle opportunities and and it's a fun thing for street soccer uh, where we already now have product in the market and have created a lot of uh for example uh, in the uk when it gets to footwear i mean the predator that is currently being launched is beautiful Uh, when i see bellingham playing it um, it is um, like uh, what should i say <laughs> the shoe carries him around at the speed, which is incredible, and the way he plays, um, and the branding and the technology is unique. Um, I think also the way, uh, we have played with, you know, the, the trends in soccer by doing triple black and triple white shoes, um, is working very well. And as I said, the market share that Aria has been taking lately in soccer and the way it looks going forward, it's a big check for the category that uh, should be on. By Adi. When you look um, at running, the Boost technology has been there now for 10 years and we know it's the most comfortable uh, technology, uh, never probably been as strong on the performance side. That's why the Adi Zero product that you see here has been um, doing unbelievably well. It's now a good, um, big business for us um, and uh, you know um, it is the groundwork for everything we do in sports marketing. Uh, I think they say that they won more than half of the races around the world when it gets to majors. never believe those numbers, but um, they, they're probably right when they say that. And here just some examples from last weekend where I think we won almost all the races that were from the marathon in Tokyo. We won in Rome, Paris, and I think we also won in Dubai. It's not on the picture, but sports marketing um, and the product people doing a great, great job in running. Um, And I have seen also the 24 line where they will bring back the supernova. um, And I think we will be super, super, super competitive in running going into 24. Outdoor, um, I think the idea about putting all the outdoor product that they have under one umbrella, the Terex brand, has worked very well. Those of you who know me know I'm a mountain freak uh, both in the summer and the winter. I can tell you the product is excellent. Uh, And this is, um, meantime, a business, I think, about half a billion. And we all know that outdoor activities um, is increasing. um, And we have uh, all the, what should I say, ingredients then also to be part of of that, both in the winter and in the summer, Um, and also on the sports marketing side. You know, we are in the Winter Olympics. um, And me being Norwegian, you should not be surprised if you will be more visible also in the winter. both. uh, new to me without clubs, but, uh, you know, the apparel and the footwear businesses in golf makes us actually market leader in many markets. Um, and again, golf, um, we talked about that before, too, has had quite some momentum uh, during COVID. Uh, and coming out of COVID, uh, the activity seems to, to keep high. Um, and we have very smartly kept our golf business outside of the normal Adidas business. Uh, it's run out of Carlsbad in the center of golf. Uh, and with very, very, I would say, knowledgeable and passionate people. And it looks like it's a very, uh, what should I say, strong business unit uh, with great growth perspectives. So the performance side, um, I would say, is in check. um, And and that is very, very good to see. uh, And it's also good to see that our innovation pipeline and the resources to do innovation uh, from technologies and, and applications is great. Um, And for me, running around here in the basement and see all this um, is great, because uh, that's something that we, of course, did not have in my previous job. So, the issues that are negative and where my friend Harm has problems with the numbers is on the lifestyle side. And it's a little bit ironic, because when you look at the original business, the sportswear business, and, of course, the GC business, when you combine those three, uh, you have all the elements to be successful. Um, but unfortunately, I think that during uh, COVID um, and during you know the last couple of, of, of years, uh, we have not uh, probably uh, utilized this in the best way. And currently, we've had too many franchises with too high inventory uh, and too much discounting. On top of that, um, you have the GC business, which again, in my opinion, year is. Um, maybe the most creative uh, I would say person that has ever been in our industry, the combination with an excellent go-to-market job done by Adi both in the products in the manufacturing and not at least the way they went to market digitally with the different applications and and the way they were actually utilizing the heat um, in my opinion next to nothing Um, and and, or better than anything (laughs) Um, and of course, losing that um, is a very, very tough thing. Uh, but anyway, now we have lost it, um, and we have to deal with that. And I'm sure we will talk about that um, in in um, in the Q and A's. What is positive is that we currently have maybe the hottest shoe in the market um, in the segment we call terrace. Uh, it is the Samba, the Gazelles, and the Spécial. Um, and um, you see on the right side actually a mock-up or a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, pop-up store that we made in Shanghai two days ago. Uh, team put it up very, very quickly, one shoe model. And as you can see, people are lining up to buy only one product, um, and the product you can only buy in white or black. Um, And to help you a little bit uh, to be knowledgeable, you can call it terrace, or you can call the shoes Tito, uh, because as you see, the design has a T on the toe box. Uh, and all the shoes in this, uh, what should I say, design direction is doing extremely well. And for us, that's the Samba Gazelle and the Special. And you have seen it for a while um, coming in on, I would say, fashion shows uh, and also on celebrities that have actually bought the shoes themselves. Um, And um, it's a very, very fast uh, growing, um, what should I say, franchise. Uh, And the good thing for me is that it's actually... Uh, Something I haven't seen for a long time. It's uh, hot in Asia, um, China, Korea, and Japan. It's hot in Latin. It's hot in Europe and in America. And and I can't remember last time I saw that. So again, uh, look for the samba. uh, Look for the gazelle. uh, And ironically, also the special. which was actually a humble shoe that even I used when I was playing, which probably tell how old I'm getting. Um, But again, an anchor into the fashion world. Uh, and I think something that, if we manage it correctly, can be millions of millions of pairs, um, and it's the first test if we can manage now a new franchise in the right way by keeping it alive, uh, heating it up uh, every quarter, and without over-distributing it, so we start to discount. So, um, um, you should you should have a look and judge how we're doing, but I'm very optimistic. When you look at the geography, then Harm showed us that LATAM a very, very fast-growing market. I think it was 44% um, that he showed, and it continues uh, strong growth in the emerging markets, which, funny enough, are those that are also growing the fastest. um, And it looks like we have a good, I would say, start in all those markets with subsidiaries um, and with good setups. Uh, And then Asia-Pacific, again, now starting to come back uh, in a good speed uh, and knowing that also the Chinese tourists will start to come back, um, we see a very positive, what should I say, outlook for those regions. Um, We have had, like I think everybody had, um, difficulties in Greater China for three years. Uh, Remember, this used to be the most profitable region for Adi and also for other companies. Uh, and it was growing at a very very high pace Um, and of course going from growing 30 to being down 50 is part um, of the problems in our profitability what has happened uh, i would say over the last eight weeks is that we see some positive signals Um, first of all the chinese people are out again and they do sports from the first day Uh, here's some pictures of um, the marathon in beijing that we sponsor Uh, And, of course, as soon as they're out after all the COVID problems, they buy uh, products, and they also now buy um, performance products. We all know that the market in China has been very lifestylish, uh, but now seeing that they also uh, are buying more and more performance, and we feel the strong in performance is, of course, a very good sign. We also have invested more and more in Chinese athletes. Um, The first Chinese players I know winning an ATP tournament in the U.S. Wu Yibing, Uh, he won Dallas Open two weeks ago, and I think he's ranked now top 60 in the world, and of course that meant a lot of attention in China, and he happened to be our player, um, and and one of the big uh, sports, uh, I would say, events that actually happened in China uh, this year. This um, is just one of the athletes that uh, we have signed and are signing. We are accelerating um to sign chinese athletes in almost every sport Uh, not only in sports where we are currently globally in but also local sports and of course that is to try to exploit as quickly as we can um, the the comeback of of china as a market uh, but also the growth that we experience to see um, in in um, performance and to be very honest with you it is of course a safer bet um, using uh, celebrities from sports than it is to do it from fashion, music, uh, and non-sports, because we're still uncertain, you know, how the reaction is, um, because the BCI issue is still kind of over us, um, and there's still no clarity if the celebrities from other areas are really going to go live on social media for brands like us um, we will do the first test and see, and it's starting a little bit with, I would call it B celebrities, but I think none of us have gone the full way, and it's still something that, um, you know, we are looking forward uh, and hopefully see a positive reaction on. As I said, people coming back to the stores, here's another one to buy our Tito or Tara's shoes, um, and again, I cannot remember having seen people lining up to buy Audi products uh, for a long, long time if it wasn't GC, and and here you see that it's happening also in in China. When you get to Europe, um, it's clearly that uh, there is too much inventory, uh, not only from us or not only with us, but I think in general, many retailers have too much coverage. That means too much inventory um, compared to their sales. Uh, And especially if you follow all the sector, you will see that a lot of online people are, of course, overbought, which makes, uh, you know, a little bit difficult um, and high discounts. Um, I think we're still uncertain about, you know, the macroeconomic, um, you know, inflation. Um, I think it's also fair to say that uh, we and I think many other brands maybe have overpriced the product a little bit. So, (laughs) Overpriced product in certain categories uh, together with too much inventory causes, of course, even more discount, which is not healthy for the business and, of course, not also for a brand heat. Um, But one thing is for sure, since Europe is our home ground, um, you should expect from us and we should prove to you uh, that we should be the leader in our home market. And that is, of course, one of our uh, ambitions. If you look at North America, repeat myself again, to be successful globally, you need to be successful in the U.S., and and I think it's fair to say that it's the most difficult market for non-American brands. Inventory level um, in the industry, even higher there, not only with the retailer, but also with the brands. Um, And you know that uh, in the U.S., discount is a drug. Um, I would say uh, one and a half year ago, we almost had no discounting, and both the brands and the retailers were making their best results ever. Now we're back to over-inventory, and here we go again. And, of course, it's hurting both retailers and us, um, and, again, it's something we need to work through uh, in 2023. Um, the combination of these two things um, is a very, I would say, challenging order book for the second half. Uh, Retailers is very careful committing to orders um, in the volumes that we would hope for. That's why, of course, we are now doing everything we can to convince the retailers that we are the brand of choice going into 24 um, and that we have changed uh, or trying to change our attitude uh, very, very much to be a service-oriented brand uh, also for the retailers and then especially in the U.S. On the positive side, uh, you know, our partners in the U.S., I think Patrick, you know, winning the MVP at the Super Bowl, uh, probably being the hottest male athlete in the U.S. right now is, of course, a positive for us. I think also in basketball, you know, with Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, which has been our launches, we have made huge progress. Uh, And, you know, again, told you many times, the reason why you invest in basketball on the court is, of course, to sell off court. Uh, And again, needless to say, the archive that we have in basketball is huge. Um, And I think when you see the next couple of months when we're launching Pharaoh God with uh, Jerry Lorenzo, uh, you will see take uh, of of this uh, both on the performance side and on the street side you've never seen before. And I'm extremely optimistic about that because I think it's going to be a game-changer. So with all that, um, what does that mean? What are we going to do uh, in the near future? First of all, focus on our people and culture. Um, You know, uh, our business is 50% rational and 50% emotional. I still believe that there's no machines who can take the emotions away from human beings. That's why this is our most important resource. Uh, Adidas used to have, uh, in my opinion, a very unique culture. which I was part of even many years ago. Uh, And we need to find that culture again and strengthen it uh, because um, I think it's something unique uh, and unbeatable um, if we give all the people a reason to have fun uh, and be part of a successful uh, Adidas. The optimization of the business model going forward, surprise, surprise, of course, uh, will be more service oriented towards wholesale You will see that our ratio will trend towards wholesale automatically because as we stop selling uh, GC, you will see that the D2C share will go down. Um, And then I will not even give you a target what I think it will be because I think as we work through the next 12 months, we will find a new ratio, which is probably the, the more healthy one. And then we can start to discuss what the differences are between the different markets and also what the profitability is. It is not true in the current environment with so much clearance um, that wholesale is the least profitable channel. Uh, I think that is a a big misunderstanding depending on how you're actually looking at the business. Global, regional, local, um, not a surprise to you. Um, The world is not uh, becoming more central or global. It's very, very hard uh, to find products that uh, are doing well in all the regions and all the markets. Um, the business models are also different, uh, and for us having creation centers in Tokyo, Shanghai, in the U.S., uh, now also in India and Europe, uh, we will go more local. Um, and here you see some examples of what we did in China for Chinese New Year. And it's obvious that you will look at uh, different dimensions of the business model uh, and that we will be much more local than already has been uh, before. Speed and agility, Um, you know, uh, our previous friends, and I'm sure, Moritz, you're listening to this call, uh, had the best, uh, what should I say, year in 22, And I would say that's because of the speed and agility that Puma had. Um, And I think that's something that we all have to get. Um, There is uh, a big, big need in a market that is changing to be much faster than Audi currently is. And then brand heat. There are many uh, ways to get brand heat, but unfortunately there is not a phone number where you can call and say, I want more brand heat. It's the sum of everything we do. It's athletes, it's teams, federations. Um, It is, of course, celebrities, it's street culture, but also here um, it is very, very local uh, and we need to have people in the different markets as close as we can to the consumer uh, to make sure um, that we invest where it really makes sense. Uh, and of course try to to get as much brand heat as we can. And as you know, RD has always been able to come back again when the brand has been down, and I'm convinced we will do it again. You know this slide, it's from 1993. It's the core of the business, um, and you know, it hasn't changed. Design, development, sourcing, marketing, sales and distribution is the core. Um, it is wholesale or D2C, and in the center of this is consumer. And everything we do in this company should be focused on this and it's actually to support it. And a lot of the tech things uh, are just to support this and make us better in doing it. And we should never forget that because um, this is and is going to stay uh, the core of the business and our income stream. So in 23, uh, we will build, build the base for the future by focusing on our people. Uh, product is king, um, and I think we have a lot of good stuff in the pipeline, but we will have to do better and quicker. Uh, the consumer should be in the center of all our intention. The retailer should be our friends and partner. And then, of course, we are there for the athlete and not the other way around. And I think if we do this uh, over time, we will again be uh, the best sports fan in the world. Um, short term, uh, the ge- geopolitical tensions um, are there. Um, we, ho- of course, hope um, that things will calm down, that we don't have any impact on that. The challenges are still there, although, at least for the business, when I look at prices of raw materials, when I look at freight costs, when I look at a lot of the, the cost driver, that seems to ease. Um, but inflation and, and different, what should I say, developments are still uncertain, so we have to have that into account. And then, of course, as an industry and also for us as a company, um, the inventory levels are too high, and we will then have to fight um, you know on the on the discount side uh, to maintain and hopefully in the future build our margin. With all that in mind, um, we told you already a couple of weeks ago what our outlook is. We are looking at a high single digit decline in our sales. Um, and uh, break even uh, profit on our ongoing operations. This is based on not selling any existing GC inventory, which then, you know, like for like, uh, we then take 1.2 million away from our top line and 500 million from our EBIT. On top of that, or below that, uh, we are looking actually at a loss of 700 million, which will happen if uh, we write off and not sell any of the inventory that we have of GC. That is the 500 million. Amid all the things going on in the business, uh, we are looking at a one off of around 200 million, uh, which then, if you put it all together, brings you to the minus 700. Should any of these uh, change, then of course things will improve. Um, they should not worsen. Um, and um, we will, of course, report to you. Uh, when things start to move uh, in a better direction. Uh, this morning, just before we, uh, or after we released the numbers, uh, we also uh, went out with a release about the changes in our executive board. Uh, first of all, Harm, um, you know, extended his contract by five years, so he's now running parallel with me. Um, we know each other since 30-ish years. Um, and to be very honest with you, um, he was one of the conditions that I even took the job. Uh, Harm has all the experience, knowledge, uh, and attitude that we need to turn this company around. Um, and for me to have a very strong um, CFO that also understands the business, although he doesn't understand football, uh, but uh, he knows a lot about the other side. Um, he will be you know, my most important partner um, and, uh, and make sure that uh, We together do all um, the right uh, things. Then uh, we have a change on the commercial side. Roland Auschel, having been with us for 33 years, um, had decided to leave. Um, Roland has done a lot of good stuff for this company, and I think many people would say Ardy would not be where we are if it wasn't for him. Um, and uh, I have known him also for more than 30 years, um, and we have, over the last uh, two months, have a lot of conversations. Uh, we have then decided that uh, one of his, I would call, uh, trainees, uh, Arthur, uh, which has worked with the, the company, I think, for 25 years, will take over his role. Uh, a very natural, I would say, evolution. Um, he's a Adidas guy, up and down. He's run originals, he's been in different sales roles, he's worked in strategy, uh, and he's one of, I think, the most three-striped uh, branded persons uh, on the globe. Um, I'm very, very happy that these two guys can work in a transition, and uh, I'm sure Roland will go in and out of this building and be a friend of Adidas uh, for the rest of his life. And, and again, a big thank you to him, um, and, um, and um, a lot of expectations on, on Arthur. Then on the brand side, uh, brand for us means um, creative, uh, marketing, and the business units. Um, Brian came in, I think, four weeks after uh, COVID, uh, has had a difficult time, of course, working almost not meeting his team, Uh, probably the worst uh, timing that you could have in a role of that. Um, Brian has spent a lot of time and energy of doing changes. Uh, But, you know, when you have a new CEO coming in like me um, and you have so many things that you want to do on the brand side, very difficult. Um, So, therefore, we decided that this guy will actually take over brand. Um, That does not mean that I will decide everything we should do. But it means that all the business unit, all the creatives uh, will have a direct access to me. And this is to speed up. Uh, Probably sad for Brian because uh, he's a really, really good guy. Um, But I think in the interest of the company and the organization, this was a change that we then agreed upon. Same thing here. Brian will stay on for a while to help in the transition. Uh, He will stay a friend, and I'm sure he will be three-stripe branded for a long time. Um, And, um, yeah, that's the changes. That means that the brand uh, or the company will be led by by this. We talked about me, Arthur, and Harm. Amanda will stay on leading the human resources and the culture, and Martin is running global operations and IT. uh, And that's the team we're then going into, uh, what should I say, the second half of this game. Um, We're currently down 0-2, but we think we can actually turn uh, things around. So with that, I think we've spoken enough, so I'll hand over to Sebastian and... um, He will tell you what to do. Exactly. So, Francie, we're now ready to move into the QA session.
3: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will start the QA session now. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star followed by one. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star followed by two. Please limit yourself to two questions only. Anyone who has a question may press star followed by one at this time. One moment for the first question, please. We have the first question from Susanne Push from UBS. Please go ahead, ma'am.
7: Bjorn, Harman, Sebastian. Thanks for the presentation. Um, this is Chris Holm from UBS asking on behalf of Susanna Push. Um, thanks for taking my questions. I have two bigger picture questions for Bjorn, please. Um, firstly, on the sports focus, Um, In the annual report and the presentation just now, um, you mentioned the need to refocus on sports. uh, That's the brand's DNA. Um, This seems to be a clear change given that, you know, the brand has increased exposure to the lifestyle business to almost 50% of sales in recent years. So we're just wondering um, what's your view on the ideal lifestyle and performance sales split, and is it right to assume that, you know, given the technology involved, the sports performance business tends to carry a lower gross margin on average than the more fashion-driven product. Um, so that's my first question. And my second question is about the 2024 margins. Um, according to your outlook, you mentioned the plan to return to profitability in 2024. Um, I appreciate that this is not their strategic update yet, so you won't be able to share much um, when it comes to your 2024 margin plans. But given the magnitude of profit drop in 2022 and also 23, would you be able to help us understand a little bit more about um, how we should think of the cadence of the margin recovery trajectory in the coming years? Um, is it fair to assume that um, it may be a, a more beneficial for the brand to um, maybe focus initially on sales growth instead and slowly build up from break even to the long-term double-digit EBIT margin or is the underlying profitability of the business currently well higher with the brand being well invested? So the margin um, is just um, at the moment overshadowed by by one of cost. Um, Any color on that would be super helpful. Thank you very much. Uh,
1: First of all, You are right that we should have an even higher sport focus when it gets to what we do, and that includes not focusing only on the big sports, but also going to smaller sports, because I think that will make us different than all the other brands. Um, and I do think that artists should keep the DNA of not being a copy of Nike, but we should stand on our own feet. Uh, you are also right that if you measure, you know, the real, real performance product and you compare them to lifestyle product, the margin on lifestyle is normally higher. But where you're not right is that um, it's a share of 50-50 because a lot of performance product also goes lifestyle. It means that the consumer in the end decides if a product is street or, or performance. So I think there's many categories where, you know, up to 80% of the product goes on the street. Um, if you take football, it's not the case because no one is running around with football boots. But if you take running, most running shoes are never run in. If you take basketball shoes, most basketball shoes, especially if they're from classics or originals, is also not played in. So, I think the street business is much, much bigger than 50%. Um, but I think for for the brand, uh, we need to make sure that we never ever loses focus on performance. And when you see the development, I'm actually very you know relaxed when it gets to that because we are making progress in all the performance categories that we are in, and the pipeline on performance is very good. And I don't think that will be our issue. I think on the marketing side and the visibility, we have divested from certain sports, teams, federations that we need to get back again to get the visibility, to keep the credibility. And then, as we said, you know, earlier today, is that the lifestyle side, which ironically is where we have a bigger archive than anybody else um, and where the trend in the market has gone back to, you know, the 90s and the 80s. Um, We have not exploited that the way that, for example, Nike has done and this is where we need to do a much, much better job.
8: Um,
1: when it gets to the margin targets for 24 and going forward, I think it would be very premature for me to give you that uh, after seven weeks uh, here in the office. But those who who know me know that I have always said that the good running company in this industry should run at a double digit EBIT. <clears throat> this is where Audi has been. Uh, and with the scalability that we have, we should definitely be there. Uh, at what time we will be there and, and how we will, you know, combine uh, a margin increase uh, with a leverage on our operating costs and, and what that trajectory is, I think it's too early to say. Um, but I'm very confident uh, that, you know, we can get more leverage on our cost base. Uh, and and of course, the, the margin is now damaged by so many things, and especially inventory, that does, does not mirror any of the things that we see in the future but 23 is to what should i say clean up a lot of uh, i would call it old mess uh and actually uh, be uh, a clean company again that the consumer and the retailer and ourselves uh, you know see a, a, what i call a normal business and and I, I would i would appreciate if we can leave it by that instead of trying in a spreadsheet now to define what the different components are because i think it's too early but I can promise you that I will deliver you 10% EBIT before I leave this company.
7: Okay, that's super clear. Just a little small clarification from my side, if I may. Um, is it fair to, it sounds like um, double digit margin in the long term it, it, is um, quite competent, but um, in terms of um, your initial focus, is, is it fair to assume that maybe um, beneficial, it's gonna be more beneficial for the brand to focus Initially, on sales growth and while margin slowly builds up or or how should we think about that?
1: Thank well well first, you need to think about that. I have a GC business that is disappearing, so I'm actually losing sales. Um, and then I have inventories that I need to sell and clear. So there's two negative impacts, both on my top line and my bottom line. That's why we this year have no sales growth, but we say high single digit decline and as we as we do that, of course, we will have growth again next year. Uh, but if that growth is five, ten or fifteen percent, I think we will need to talk about when we see how quickly we are cleaning up uh, the things we have today. That's why I'm very careful saying it. But going forward uh, and and again, not a surprise, I think that a company like ours should have you know, double-digit growth and put some of that growth to the bottom line and some of that growth to investment in marketing. And that's always been the recipe, and I think it's the same here. I do hope, though, that the scalability that we have is that the recovery that we can have on the bottom line is quicker than what you have seen me working in other companies. Uh, But what speed, how quick, and when it turns, um, again, let, let us get a little bit more time. Okay.
7: Thank you very much.
3: The next question comes from Graham
6: Renwick from Berenberg.
3: Please go ahead.
7: Uh hello,
6: good afternoon, Bjorn, Harm, um, Sebastian. Thanks for taking my questions. Just on the turnaround where you you know, talk about twenty twenty three as being a transition year, you know, building that base for, for twenty four and twenty five. Just just wondered what's captured in the two hundred million of strategic costs and does that already include any organisational changes or any bigger investment into marketing and the commercial proposition? And and do you think that level of investment is already sufficient to start to drive that turnaround and and to drive market share gains from 2024? Because you already appear pretty confident on the the product pipeline heading into next year, which is going to be a big sports event year, of course. Uh, And then secondly, just on the the business improvement plan, it was announced before your arrival, Bjorn, 700 million of net income benefits. Uh, I just wondered if you still feel that they're fully achievable this year or will any element of that plan be scaled back or possibly changed under your new strategy, particularly in context of you know having to reinvest more into the business? Thank you.
1: Uh, you know, since these are things that happened before me, I think it's fair that actually Harm answers it, um, so I don't do say something wrong, so Harm, <laughs> you, you,
2: you take over. Yeah, i probably start, Graham, with a $700 million, uh, business improvement plan. Of course, that is fully reflected in our guidance that we gave, whether it's underlying and a uh, break-even company or if we would uh, decide to write down the inventory of $500 million. Uh, we get to the minus 700 million. So it's fully baked in there. And as we said the last time, um, this is not all in comparison to 22. This is mitigation actions as well because we saw FOBs, you know, increasing. We uh, negotiated some of the, you know, freight contracts as well uh, to bring that one down. We kept our ratios and marketing going into 23 on a lower net sales base. So compensating for all of these. So all of that is reflected. There are puts and takes, but overall we mitigated the cost increases that we have seen. Uh, we also had some one-time cost in Q4, whether it was the closure of the one or the other retail store, whether it was some, you know, severance severance to right-size the organization that was reflected in Q4, and we will take the benefits of that, you know, going into 23. So all of that is, uh, has happened, um, and again, all of that is not a comparison to 22, but it's mitigating actions. Some is actually a reduction compared to 22 as well. And then, of course, when it comes to additional 200 million in 23, uh, this will be part of our strategic review. And again, bear in mind, Bjorn is only here for two months, so we have looked at a lot of things. Um, you know, I expressed, you know, my opinion about what we should do and should not do, uh, but we need to vet all these things. Uh, There's a new team in place now and uh, will come forward. But of course, it will be all elements, whether we need to invest more, whether we need to, you know, review some of the new stores or review the organization. So all of this, but again, we don't want really to be too detailed right now and too specific, but we believe 200 million would do a lot to get to uh, profitable growth in 24, and that shouldn't take anything away from what we need to invest around the Olympics or the European Championship on home turf in 24. So we are well prepared for that. Okay, thank you very much.
3: The next question comes from Ewan Rambold from HSBC. Please go ahead.
5: Yeah, hi, thanks a lot. Erwan Rambour from HSBC. Good to hear you, Bjorn, and uh, good to hear you as well, Harman, Sebastian. Uh, just wanted to follow up a bit on uh, the long-term algorithm of growth. And, and again, I'm, I'm not asking for a long-term guidance, but when we look at the fact that you were in a sort of duopoly 10, 12 years ago with Nike, um, they have an algorithm of growth of high single to low double-digit sales growth and eventually mid to high teens EBIT uh, margins. I'm wondering... Um, You know, with the exception of scale, notably in the U.S., if there's any structural uh, reason for you not to to, uh, go to those levels, uh, once we have the big hiccups behind us. And and then just talking about the big hiccup of the day, looking at Yeezy, I was just a bit confused uh, by a few uh, press articles uh, around the solutions to Yeezy. Because my my understanding, but uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, is that you cannot sell Yeezy for Uh, reputational risk reasons and at the same time you can't destroy the product for the planet Um, so I'm just wondering what options do you have to to treat uh, the Yeezy stock that you have today thank you so much Uh,
1: I ask you so if you can't sell and you can't destroy what's your option well that's why I'm confused
4: (laughs) I'm not running the brand I, I, I am confused
1: well, I, I just I, I try to describe the situation that, um, depend on who you speak to, people will say you cannot destroy because it's a sustainability issue, right? So please don't destroy, and on the other side, please don't sell because you have a reputation issue. So if you say you you're confused, I can just say that's the fact, and that's why we haven't made a decision on it because it's a very complicated issue. Um, I, I think that um, from the one extreme to selling the product normally, which we would have done before, uh booked 1.2 billion in sales and 500 million in profit, that's one extreme, you know, uh, and that carries a lot of uh, reputational risk. Uh, the other side is to say we burn it or we do whatever uh, it takes then to destroy it and it disappears, then you have another issue. And between that, of course, there are different solutions. We could sell the product that costs. Um, and it would be a zero thing. We could sell it with a small margin and give the margin away for different donations. We can sell them with more margin and give more donations. I think the goal that we have is to do um, what the probability is that it damages us the least and that we do something good. Um, and, and that's what we're talking to. Uh, many interesting parties, um, you know, people that has been hurt by, uh what should I say this uh, situation and, and are discussing what they think is the best option. Uh from a timing yeah. point of view you should you should not forget that when all these things happened, a lot of products were still in production. Meaning that yeah. we and the brand had to make the decision should we finish the product or should we just stop it. And and in the interest of ten thousand of people that were working in the factories, Adidas decided to continue uh, to produce all the components um, and then ship them to different the destination And it's just these last weeks and days that uh, this inventory has actually showed up uh, in the places where they can be treated or can be sold. Um, so uh, we couldn't really do anything uh, before now. Uh, but now, uh, at least from a logistic point of view, the product is there and we can decide what to do. Uh, but there is still a lot of unclear, what should I say, uh, conversations with different parties that is going on. And, and at the time when we think we have all the facts, uh, uh, we in management will make a proposal and then, of course, also discuss it with our supervisory board because, as you can imagine, this is a pretty uh, sensible case um, and not an easy one. So that that is uh, So, so you could eventually say?
5: end up making a big gesture to, to a charity or to… Of course, um, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. Of
1: course. Of course. Yeah. But but the people that are saying send the shoes to Turkey or somewhere that where people don't have shoes or there has been a tragedy happening, you I think you agree that this is not normal shoes. So if you did that they will come back yeah. again because the value of the product is not the physical value of the ingredients, it is the premium yeah. because it's a branded merchandise that is sold at a high price. So so I, I can tell you since I started here I probably got 500 different business proposals from people who would like to buy the inventory, Uh But, but again, uh, you know, that will not necessarily uh, be the right thing to do. So a very difficult, sensitive situation. And I, I can just repeat, um, <clears throat> if you look at that business, uh, there's no doubt that Ye uh, is one of the most creative people that I've ever been on the planet. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the way this was taken to market is probably the best. I would say go-to-market uh, job that any brand has right. done, right. Um, and, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, you know it's very sad that uh, this is falling apart. So,
7: right, right, okay,
5: and then and then maybe on the question of uh, how would you compare it to Nike on a very long-term uh, approach?
1: Yeah, you know, if I say of course we will beat them, then I'm in trouble. Uh, I I do think that our business model uh should be different uh, than Nike's uh, but I think going forward uh, there's no reason over long term that we should not be performing like Nike is doing but will that happen tomorrow no uh but i mean we have all the ingredients we are global we have the history we have the archive we have the resources we should have the talent um so um no not really Excellent. That's great to hear.
5: Uh, welcome,
1: and I uh, hope to speak
5: soon. Thank you.
3: The next question comes from Geoff Lowery from Redburn. Please go ahead.
5: Yeah, good
6: afternoon. Um, just one question, really. Can you help us understand what's really going right or wrong at the product creation level? I'm just struck by how Adidas has been capable of getting something so right and yet missing so badly. Is this just a case of speed? Is it a case of organization? What if you had to give us sort of one or two things that really sort of summarize it? Would you attribute to that that sort of hit and miss quality too? Thank you.
1: Um, Again, I have to be careful coming from the outside. I think COVID hurt um, Adidas a lot uh, because I think when other brands were trying to be very fast and flexible and actually you know, chase the business wherever it was. I think Audi was very strategic, and we're going for growth. Um, And I think we're much too optimistic about where the market is. Don't forget that Audi was extremely successful before COVID. Uh, I mean, a tremendous growth in China, tremendous profitable in China. We talked about GC uh, and had a momentum, and then COVID hits, and then you have a strategy change that is going for more growth and more DTC uh, and I, and I, I just think that the circumstances didn't fit that. So. Thank you. So, so I, I do think that um, uh, the circumstances was uh, making it difficult to reach those targets, and that made things difficult. Understood. Thank you.
3: The next question comes from Warwick Ockness from BNP. Please go ahead.
7: Yeah, hi, thanks very much. Um, Similar line of questioning, really. Your your comments to me um, suggest that you don't really think that Adidas has has got a problem about product innovation, and it's more about how you go to market through marketing and
1: and channels. Is that a fair assessment? And and does it make a turnaround easier? Um, and, And what do you need to do in order to do a better job in lifestyle? No, I think what I said is that the criticism that Audi hasn't brought innovation in performance is not true. Um, Again, I always ask, so what was the last innovation that Nike brought? Because you're always comparing it to that. And when I look here at the 3D printed shoes, or I look at the Audi Zero, I look at the Predator, or I look at the soccer shoes that I know, but you don't know about, uh, I do think that the performance side is actually uh, in good hands. I think the transition into lifestyle um, when it gets to you know creating trends um, creating stories using your archive, tweaking your archive um, has been too slow um, and that might have to do with empowering people to be more creative uh, I think it has to do with being more executional and strategic um, so i i I think I'm disagreeing that. Uh, Audi has all the resources to bring innovation, both from a lifestyle point of view and a performance. Uh, but I do think that the lifestyle side has been hindered by, uh, putting too much more product on the market that hasn't worked, being too high inventory because of too optimistic sales plans, therefore being hurt again on the discount side. Uh, and that's why the lifestyle side and the brand heat has been missing. Um, at the same time, you know, doing, Prada, Moncler, Balenciaga, and Gucci within 18 months is also too much. And again, that is probably because, uh, you know, COVID and the timeline and supply made it all be delayed, and then suddenly, you know, the delayed projects went into the on-time project and certainly it was all at once. Um, uh, and then I think some of the street culture relevant things, if it's Pharrell or Lorenzo or Beyoncé, you have to remember that a lot of these artists and, and the people that use potential has not been out there for the last three years. You know, there hasn't been any festivals, there hasn't been any tours, there hasn't been any releases. Uh, so I, th- I think a lot of the places where we again can create brand heat and, and uh, a lot of excitement has kind of been hampered by many things. And, and at the scale that art is, uh, it has done not been enough. Um, so speed, empowerment, um, Timing, discipline uh, are probably the elements that uh, that has made it uh, difficult. Uh, but but the ingredients are there, believe me. I mean, we have designers uh, that are very talented. Uh, we have sample rooms. Uh, we have technologies. Uh, and that's why also I'm probably more optimistic than you guys are. Thanks very much, Brian.
3: The next question comes from Jürgen Kolb from Kepler. Please go ahead.
9: Yeah, thank you very much. Um, Welcome, Bjorn, to Adidas on the other side of the street. Uh, Two parts of of the question from my side. One is um, you mentioned Scheinfeld, and uh, it sounds as if you're thinking about maybe rolling out a little bit more own production, um, but correct me if I'm wrong. Is that on your mind to maybe become uh, or gain a greater control over your own production lines and if so is that going to be meaningful or is that just really for special makeups uh, that you have on mind and the second thing um, going into smaller sports um, I appreciate I think uh, this is where the brand stands this is where the visibility is at the same token however um, I remember when uh, Adidas had the strategy to get out of these smaller brands because uh, of the increased complexity now what is the right approach here is it is it correct to be in the, in the smaller sports uh, for visibility or is the complexity a problem um, from, a, from a productivity point of view? Thank you.
1: Uh, first of all, Scheinfeld is a factory 40 minutes away who has traditional making shoes for 50 years. Um, and I think what I try to signal is that, you know, shoe competence is not easy to find today, at least not in Europe. Um, and I think we have something that we can utilize more the scalability that of course not that you will do millions of pairs because you know then the air shoring on, on shoe production back to Europe I don't think will happen. But I do think um, you know that we have something unique that no one else has and that we can combine you know that to educate people, um to have creative people work there, to do collabs there, uh to make samples there and I think even to make small series of European German made products Uh, because I think it means something, Uh, and uh, you know when we work with luxury parties uh, that we do, uh, I think we can take part of that production maybe if we do it the right way. So I I look at that as a resource and not as a problem. Uh, The smaller sport, um, again, I I wasn't here when they should divest. Uh, It's obvious that if you go into a small sport uh, that will increase complexity, uh, instead of increasing productivity, but then the question is what's the high-low effect? And I have always thought, um, when I was at RD in the 90s and also later that some of the creativity coming out of RD in design or development and technologies was coming from the fact that they were working on smaller sports. And, and, and again, if that is the result, then it's, worth, then it's worth a lot more than adding a hundred SKUs to the line. So, I, I I do think that we need to be careful and not being over analytical efficiencies and KPIs on productivity I don't think is what is not what is going to drive us it is our creativity speed and agility uh, and, and and that will bring much more margin than trying to find you know more efficiency efficiencies on the SKU count so um again you know I'm a sport romantic um I think Ali does was a sport romantic I think putting that DNA in again will make us different than any other brand. Um, and, and that is, you know, for me, a small marketing cost compared to many other things we do. So I, I, and I do think there's a big agreement about that. When you talk to the designers and the product people and, and even to the financial people, they all say, yes, this is what we should do because it's our DNA, you know, and, and, uh, uh it makes us different. Um, Next time you hear, you should go into our archive and see how many, what should I say, special products we have made through the years and what these special products, again, have done for the inline product. Then the connection is there, you know, and and we need to do more of that. Uh, I think we have standardized too much and become too, what should I say, uh, almost boring in the way we we brief uh, and go to market on our, uh, what should I say, inline product. especially on the lifestyle side.
9: And and maybe a, a, a small spoiler, any specific sports you're thinking of?
1: Any Anything where you sweat and come in medals. <laughs>
9: Understood. Very good. Thanks so much.
3: The next question comes from Cedric LeCasper from Stifo. Please go ahead.
4: Hello, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for taking my questions. I have two also. So first one on your distribution uh, networks today. Uh, could you comment maybe on the, on the wholesale organisation, on your store network, on your e-commerce digital ecosystem? What needs to be fixed and what are you happy with uh, today? Uh, and uh, the second one is on uh, is on China. Uh, Low base in 22, some signs of recovery uh, already. When do you think China can definitely be back in the equation? And do you think China can come back to the kind of old uh, top line growth and uh, profitability uh, in maybe a more open competition? Interested in having your thoughts? Thanks. I-, I think that, you
1: know, we have a 3 billion business in China. Uh, in a very difficult time, without having been able to do real, meaningful marketing and people being in lockdown. Um, if you take uh, the lockdown away and you also say that we can start to do marketing again, it's obvious that we will have growth. Uh, will the goal growth come for free and will it be as easy as it maybe was? No. But does China have a huge potential for us uh, with their population and their growing population in sports? Yes, definitely. And. Again, I don't have a crystal ball, uh, but my feeling is that China will again turn into be a major growth vehicle for us uh, when it starts to grow. But I'm not saying that it will turn around this year and you should count that in to be you know, a huge contributor. I'm just saying that midterm, I'm counting on China coming back. And that's why we are investing in <clears throat> both creation centers and more sourcing in China again uh, for local for local. Um, when it gets to, um, you know, your, uh, help me again, what was the first? Distribution. Distribution. Um, wh- when you look upon what has happened already, then you see that the GC business disappearing, uh, which was mainly uh, uh, a D2C business, you will see that uh, our D2C share will uh, fall dramatic uh, in, the, in the next quarters. Um, then the question is, what is an optimal Uh, balance between D2C and wholesale, and I I can't give you the number. But what I can tell you is that we need to be very service-minded for the retail partners. We should be as visible as Nike with our retail partners. We should own part of the wall, and our retailers should make money with us. And we should make it very, very clear to the retail partners that that is what we want. Uh, and, And that is a change of mind in the sense that we need to stop talking on the D2C. Does that mean that D2C is not important? No, it does not. Uh, we should have a very professional e-com platform. Uh, we should be, you know, uh, continuing to invest in, in all the applications um, and the analytics we're doing. But we need to make sure that uh, we become much more full price uh, on e Today, there's much too much discount uh, and there's too much inventory sitting on that side. On brick and mortar, there are markets that needs uh, you know uh, full price uh, normal stores. Uh, all those stores, uh, all those markets who doesn't have a big uh, multi branded uh, uh, retail uh, business. India, uh, probably parts of China, uh, maybe some other markets like Turkey. Um, then we need you know some high low stores in our major cities uh, like New York, like Paris, like now in Seoul. Uh, and then, of course, we need factory outlets. Wherever factory outlets is a major part of it, where I don't see that we need to have, you know, our own stores is in markets that has a lot of multi-branded uh, retail, and where we do normal stores uh, just to have stores in a in a in a mall or in a in a shopping street where all our what should our retail partners are, because that doesn't make sense. Um, so. I think it will be a more targeted um, uh, brick-and-mortar strategy, uh, and it will continue to be a strong uh, e-com strategy. Uh, but I think the way we go to market, I think it will be more uh, wholesale first and then uh, D2C afterwards. Um, and uh, and then we will see how long that takes us. Thank
4: you so much.
3: The next question comes from James Grzyni from Jeffries International. Please
9: go ahead. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Bjorn, uh, just, I guess, a couple of clarification questions for me. The first one is, uh, I'm unclear on your thoughts on sportswear and generally um, the product cementation that we saw introduced last year. Uh, to what extent do you, can you work with that? Uh, to what extent do you think you need to change that? And secondly, did I get it right that you're saying your ambition is basically to compound double-digit growth for the business? That, that's what you're looking for.
1: Uh, I mean, to take the first thing first, I, I think that when we get out of the clearance and we set the base, then I think double-digit growth should again be our target, yes. Um, again, in 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 a, in a world where we don't have pandemic uh, war or anything happening, but the normal world, again, uh, I think that Audi should have the ambition of growing 10% again, yes. Um, when it gets to the segmentation, this is where we need to be very specific. Um, I think when you saw the logos, we have the original logo, we have the performance logo, we have the sportswear logo, and we have the Terex logo. Um, I think the balance of that is probably okay, but I think the sportswear side of it, uh, we need to stretch more and, and make sure that we're more commercial and that the collections breed more. Uh, I, I think you know, COVID, the fact that people haven't traveled that much, the inspiration of the creatives and maybe also the freedom haven't been big enough. I think there's more work to do there, and and that we are not at the end of that game. That is correct. And then the question is the segmentation on this brand uh, or these logos then to to our retail partners. I think there's a lot of moving parts there, and I don't think we are at the end of of that. Um, so so we have I think all the brand marks we need, uh, but how are we using those brand marks and at what price points do they start and end, and where do we put the effort? There's a lot of work to do there. Um, and, and as I said, speed and agility uh, in the local markets to exploit, uh, you know, these brand marks where we can find business uh, and where the consumer is. Uh, I don't think we, we, are, we are not even close to being uh, good at that, to be honest. So um, there, there might be changes also in the way we look at this, uh, but we don't need to create another logo if that's what you're asking for. Uh, we have all the, the marks that we need, but I'm not convinced that we have the right mix between them. Uh, and I'm also not sure that the segmentation on how we use them towards the different segments and the different retail partners is the correct one.
9: Understood. And I guess as a follow-up on that, um, I guess my point was trying to understand how much you need to, to change the base. and how much uh, uh, the product architecture is loaded into the channels up until when. Uh, Mm. So are are you mostly, to what extent you're committed as a business to what we saw last year and through to what point and and we're trying to get a sense from that perspective.
1: You know, and this is again, I mean, if you look at it now, we are already now signing off the collections for spring summer 24, as we speak, you know, we have the markets in today. Um, and 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 again, in a normal world that would be locked in, I think today, because of the changes and 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 one of the reasons why I put myself uh, on top of the brand is of course to speed up decisions where we need to do things different than the calendar and and i'm I'm making myself available for uh, the different business units so that they can actually be allowed to speed up things uh, and uh, and 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 challenge the calendar so you will see product that um, were meant to be in 24 being pulled forward to 23. You will see volumes of, for example, the Tito collection being increased uh, dramatically in 23, even if the plan was different. Uh, you will see product that uh, were meant to be innovation be pulled into the first half of 24. So you will see us taking more risk and speed up things because that's what we need to do. We 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 cannot just drive business as normal uh, when we're not performing, so so there is a there is a uh, I don't know what you can call it, but there is a wake-up call to get speed in um, and to to challenge uh, certain rules and regulations. Why things are slow? Yes, definitely. Thank you.
3: The next question comes from Edward Aubin from Morgan Stanley. Your question, please
8: yeah good afternoon guys. So um two questions for me on China. Sorry to come back on that, but Bjorn, could you please comment on kind of the sell out selling dynamic year to date and kind of what you expect to to a certain extent to pan out in in this year? obviously you don't have a crystal ball but but your sense and related to china, I mean obviously you took back a lot of inventory, so I guess you're going to be uh some of it is going to be sold in outlets or discounted and, and to what extent you know that could impact you know the, the brand desirability in the in the next two or three years. That's that's number one. And then question number two on your balance sheet and what it implies in terms of you know buybacks and dividend and so on. So uh, Adidas used to be net cash ex you know um, you know lease liabilities. You're now net debt. How do you see the the net debt situation evolve uh, throughout the years? And and what about you know your, your share buyback program? I think you have. 2 billion, you know, more to go. Um, you have not talked about that in the release, as far as I've seen. And and what it could imply, I mean, should your net debt increase, the, you know, this year, what it could imply for your dividend next year? Thank you.
1: Uh, I'll start and then Harm will take the last one. Um, I mean, the China model has been a push model. You know, remember that almost all the Audi stores in China are owned by retail partners. We sell into them eight, nine months before. Um, they sell through in a quarter and, and you know, ba- based on the sell through, we take product back and we flush them in outlets and also online. Uh, we have reduced uh, this, um, I would say, almost dramatically. So we are delivering a lot less uh, into the stores and we're trying as we speak. Uh, it's not been done yet uh, to go into, you know, uh, reduce the amount even further by, for example, doing 30% of the volume in season, meaning that you're producing local for local uh, 30% of what you think is the need uh, and not even take orders on it. That will that will partly take you from a push model to a pull model. Um, uh, even before we have done that, um, given the reduction of the buys uh, and, and not pushing uh, the way I think it has been done before, you will see less take-backs, and you will see less inventory. Um, Having said that, the amount of inventory in the China market from everybody has been high for the last three years. This has not been only an Adi issue, but because of the size of Adi, it it has, of course, had a bigger impact on Adi. But um, the, the China model needs to be more vertical, it needs to be more local for local, and it needs to be run more by the local people at almost a closed supply chain. And, and we are working on that very, very, I would say, uh, focused as we speak um, to, to make it a more pull model than a push model. But that has had no impact on the business yet because it's not in place. Uh, but I think it could be in place at the back end of this year, so it could be fully utilized in uh, in 24.
2: Yeah, on the balance sheet, uh, you're absolutely right. The net debt is higher than we originally planned it for by the end of 22, uh, with the consequences also on the rating that I explained earlier. And of course, it's our ambition now in 23 to course correct that. So the key enabler for that will be reducing inventories because we are buying significantly less and utilizing the inventory that we have to turn into cash. Um, but we should also keep in mind that we return 3.1 billion to shareholders in, in 22, two and a half billion in share buyback and 600 million in dividends. And of course, our priority is um, probably not fully in 23, but uh, you know, starting to prepare for fully meeting our you know rating KPIs again in 24. Um, until then, you should not expect a share buyback uh, in 23, uh, unlikely also in 24. Um, because first, we need to get the authorization at the annual shareholders meeting in May, which we are proposing to get the authorization because we bought back almost ten percent of our capital. Um, and then again, in twenty three, uh, very unlikely, and then we'll take count again, you' are going into twenty four. Um, and I know that there are two billion outstanding from our originally you know announced uh, you know share buyback program, but that is secondary right now. First, we want to make sure that we're generating cash again. Secondly, want to invest into the company because we want to get prepared for growth again. Secondly, it would be dividends first, and only then we would look at share buyback again. So um, be patient, stay tuned, um, but it's a focus right now to return to profitable growth first.
8: And Harm, um, I know you have many different moving paths this year and one of them being easy in terms of the cash, but how do you see your net debt trajectory this year, you know, roughly? Well, again, there's a lot
2: of moving parts, right? I mean, when you look at our guidance, and uh, as you say, a lot depends on Yeezy, um, but whatever, you know, option we are choosing, um, uh, it would probably, uh, you know, preventing to um, uh, write down the inventory if you would tell it at cost. I mean, it's an easy, you know, cash in as well from a calculation. But again, a lot of things depend on how quickly we clean the inventory. Uh, what are we buying at year end? If you believe there's growth coming in 24 again, what is the reopening in China? So so really, even if I would have it, uh, I don't even have it in, in detail because we plan for different scenarios. And uh, the most important thing is uh, generating cash, but uh, you know, turning the company around to be prepared for profitable growth in 24. So 23 is a transition year. That's what we said.
8: Okay, thank you.
0: Sure. Thanks, Ed, and uh, Francie, I'm afraid we're slowly running out of time. That's why we need to take the last question now, please.
3: Okay, there will be from Olivia Townsend from JPMong. Please go ahead, ma'am.
6: Hi, thanks for taking my questions. Um, I have two. The first one is on China. Um, so I'm just wondering, since you've been talking a bit about bringing some marketing back into that region, could you just talk about where that marketing level is versus where you would expect to get back to once you have a bit more of a recovery and then the second is just a clarification question on the double digit uh, EBIT margin that you suggested could be achievable longer term um, I'm just wondering are you able to commit to a certain year um, for this I think um, when you mentioned earlier um, some people have taken that to mean around 2028 so I'm just wondering do you have a comment on that thank you.
1: I'll take 28. If that, if you're happy with that, <laughs> I I I think it's wrong after seven weeks to commit to a double digit in a year. Um, it could be quicker than 28, and it probably should be quicker than 28. To be honest with you, uh, but I hope you can be patient and let us at least work through some months uh, and show you that we're on the right track, and then we can, you know, formalize. Um, I would say a new strategy and tell you where that will bring us from an EBIT level. Um, but I think we all agree uh, around this table, and, and at least in our management, and I think also in in the company, that if we don't um, deliver 10% EBIT uh, with our scale and our brand, then we are not doing a good job. But we need to get there first uh, before, or we need to turn it around first before we promise you. When um, I think the the, the China, uh, what should I say, marketing thing. Um, what I tried to say is that. There is some positive things happening in China because people are out on the street doing sports again. Uh, People are not isolated the way they used to be, and they're starting to buy again both performance and um, um, lifestyle. Of course, not at the same speed they did before COVID um, and BCI, but they are doing it. The marketing that we have done is that because sports is getting more attention and there are athletes doing well, Uh, We have given the Chinese uh, team the freedom to invest in more athletes um, uh, that we can showcase. Uh, For example, what you saw in tennis, Um, we are speaking to quite some of the so-called celebrities that used to do marketing before BCI. None of them have gone live yet, uh, but at least there is now talks on a different level uh, than it's been before. Uh, The hope is, of course, that when one celebrity starts to do, you know, post things that are more like marketing, that there's no shitstorm being generated, uh, and that suddenly we can be back again where, you know, marketing that generates traffic and conversion, especially online, is working. At that time, I can assure you that our uh, marketing team in China will get budgets to do whatever is right to accelerate growth. so there is no limitation on their what should I say creativity and and uh, uh, an investment level when when things are possible again. But right now there's kind of a touch and go. Uh, you saw hopefully in the presentation that we are, for example, spending money on pop-up stores, you know, to actually attract um, you know consumers. Uh, we have celebrities then coming into these stores. Uh, so. Uh, without doing something which you call marketing, they are then visible in in our business uh, and and that 's kind of sneaking uh, i would say marketing into to our business again uh, and of course, uh, I cannot tell you at what point in time things are normal again because uh, if I knew, I would be a billionaire by telling it to everybody right so so again uh, we are we are really uh, what should I say, touching uh, uh, the market in a way that our local people uh, are leading, uh, and then both Harm and myself are speaking to them at least twice a week. Uh, we currently have 30 Chinese um, people here in our building uh, working on product for 24, uh, first time that they traveled to Europe in three years, um, and... Uh, It's so nice uh, to be back uh, in the normal world again when it gets to what we used to do. Uh, And and there's so much energy in the Chinese team because, remember, they have basically been in and out of isolation for the last two years. Uh, And I would say there's quite some optimism. But again, don't get carried away and then you know, put your spreadsheet up at 100% growth because that will not come. Uh, But I, I think there's some light at the end of the tunnel
0: all right so you know we just heard that there's limitations to the support for the chinese team unfortunately there is some limitations to the time for for this call and that's why we need to wrap it up now thanks very much francie thanks very much bjorn and harm and also thanks very much to all of you for joining our call today i'm sure we could have gone on for hours i know that there are still a lot of questions outstanding you're free to reach out to any member of the ir team or myself if you have any questions And, uh, you know, we're all very much looking forward to seeing some of you over the next couple of weeks as, you know, we're traveling the world. Um, And with that, thanks very much again for your participation. Have a good remainder
5: of the day. All the best and bye-bye.
1: Stay healthy and buy Adidas
5: products.